and welcome back to the Football Fools podcast. We're doing episode seven today. Um, we did have the president-elect uh, promised on the podcast this week, but uh, he is busy on our first returning guest, R. Stibes, Ryan Stiber, um, to, to join us on the podcast this week. Actually going to kick it over to John. He's going to start it off with a question about the Steelers-Cowboys uh, game with Ryan. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, we got our Steelers fan guests on again this week, so got to make sure and be inclusive, even though they just had a totally underwhelming game. We want to leave off talking about that. Pittsburgh manages to stay the only undefeated team in the league. Um, it, it looks like it was going to be in question there for a while. But this was a question that kind of crept up in my head this week about the Steelers and seeing this game today, it kind of made me think. And this might come off as an insult for a team that's undefeated. But, Ryan, did the Steelers team remind you in any way this year of the Patriots team from last year that started 9-0 and and then quickly faded down the stretch? Absolutely not. Uh Comparable to the Patriots is uh, an absolute embarrassment. Um, I would never compare the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, to the New England Patriots. They're the Steelers are on a whole nother level. Uh, was like I worried level? about the game? Absolutely not. There was never a doubt in my mind that they were going to lose. Was I on the edge of my couch cursing at the TV? I may have been, but I was never worried, and I knew they would come back to win. Uh, however, we are always due for a shit loss. It is a uh, – can I cuss on you? <laughs> Not well, you to. already did, so let's, All right. let's well, keep going. Uh, it, it is the NFL, and this is what I tell people. I, it's the NFL, man. They're not going to go undefeated. I, I mean, odds are they're not. Uh, and I, I hate when, like, undefeated teams lose to a shit team and have a shit game uh, because it happens. It's the NFL. It's just how it goes. And uh, to think there's a different pattern – you got to be super ignorant. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, it was very close. If Ben Ro- – I would love to see the stats, if you guys can look it up real quick, on uh, comebacks. Because being a Steelers fan, you have high blood pressure. It's is, is crazy. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, if he's not leading comebacks in history, he's got to be top five. Because I swear to God, every, for the last 40 years being a Steelers fan, like, Dude, they come down to the wire every fucking time. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's we're, Drew Brees. We're in the editing department. Yeah, but. yeah. It's Drew Brees that leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks. So I'm sure Ben's up there somewhere. <clears throat> but uh, it would take forever on Google to find that list. It's never as clear cut as you want it to be. Ryan, what's your uh, – if you had a point at your team, I, we talked about it, I think a week or two ago. I, obviously, you weren't on the show then. but um, And we asked what the, the glaring weakness – on the Steelers was, what would you say that is? And uh, I know you're going to be Steeler biased, but if you had to be brutally honest with the Steelers, what's the weak point of that team? Man, dude, I think the weak point is, uh, dude, just quarterback depth, man. Because when I, I have a Mason Rudolph jersey, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that's ever bought one. Just you and uh, his mom. Yeah, me and Mason's mom, maybe his college buddies. But, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I think it's depth, man. Once Ben goes out, and you see Mason trucking out there. It's like, oh, God, <laughs> what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, well, it, I, and I think it could be consistency as well. Um, on which side? I mean, like I said, it's, it's the NFL, man. It's, it's hard to be consistent and win every single game. But uh, Pittsburgh, dude, they, they love to – 
go down and come back. That's because we should have lost Baltimore last week. So I, I wanted to, to ask you because I had another question down about the Steelers and what you just brought up kind of relates to that with their quarterback depth today. We saw Big Ben go down for a minute, went to the locker room. Luckily, he was able to come back in the game. He's a tough guy. He usually plays through injuries, even if they're pretty severe. But what would you like to see the Steelers quarterback plan B going forward? How do they need to address that? Do they need to get aggressive in the draft? look for a backup, uh, maybe an underachieving quarterback that they could trade for. How would you like to see them address that? Yeah, I don't think they're uh, – I mean, our last first-round pick of quarterback was obviously Ben, and um, it, it's probably that time to go that route, kind of like what happened to Aaron Rodgers, I would say. Um, so okay. it's, it, they very well could do that. All right. Do you uh, – well, I mean, so granted you guys continue to, to, to dominate, and I, I was just telling John, I think you guys end up going 13-3 and three or 14-2, and two, and I said you yeah. were going to lose probably two games that you shouldn't have. I, I honestly thought you guys were going to lose here today, and not because you're a worse team, um, <clears throat> maybe because there's you don't know how to prepare for a, a quarterback that's never played a game before potentially, but then there's also <clears throat> just the fluke games every year. You know, maybe you guys overlooked the team because that happens all the time. The Ravens did it last year overlooking you know teams that aren't as uh aren't as good aren't expected to do anything then you go in and then you get you know upset um i thought that was going to happen so maybe you guys are more along the 13 and 3 line you're going to lose a couple close ones for sure it's bound to happen nothing against your team but um where do you guys think because you're obviously going to have a late pick in the draft who do you uh, I, i don't know how much college you watch but who do you envision if you guys do go after a quarterback uh that you who would you like to see maybe go to the steelers as a replacement for ben yeah, I actually uh, – I I watched a bit of college football. Um, I'm not – I don't know everyone's names and stuff. I know Penn State's absolutely garbage. That's who I like. <laughs> and um, But, I, dude, I was watching uh, – I haven't seen every team in the country. I don't know what's going on, what the rankings look like. But, dude, that kid from BYU looks amazing. Zach Wilson. I was watching, B, I was lo- watching BYU versus Boise. Do any of you guys have his name? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yep, that's what it is. Uh, dude, he looks – he looks NFL – he looks good, dude. I know he played Boise, but – Well, uh, BYU is sort but, of a quarterback factory. They, they put a ton of QBs into the NFL over the years. Yeah, I mean, you can tell by looking at a guy – because I think, like uh, – I mean, I know Tua played good today, but a lot – well, all right, let me back up. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, when they went for top 10 a few years back, I knew right away they were going to be so garbage, dude, and I could have been wrong. But dude, they, I never in my life thought they were NFL material top 10 picks, dude. They are such trash. Well, you have not been wrong, especially with Rosen and kind of mostly with Darnold. So, yeah, so Darnold right. isn't a guy – he was actually kind of in my mind. He's not a guy you would like to – say if Pittsburgh could trade their first-round pick for him and have a bridge here. No, Pittsburgh doesn't do that. Pittsburgh doesn't tank. Uh, I think we get our butts whooped, and um, I think that's what happened in 2003, 2004, we get Ben. Because um, normally we'll go offense linemen or just pick out wide receivers out of the second, third round mm-hmm. uh, or go defense, you know? Yep. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the another big AFC-NFC matchup from today. Um, we had the, the Seahawks and the, the Bills – where off where we saw Buffalo actually 
come to play, had an impressive win, scored a lot of points. Seattle played a really sloppy game. Uh, let, let's bring Mark in on this one. Mark, what, what would you say your chief takeaway is from the Seahawks and Bills game today? Uh, I feel like the Bills are an upgraded version of the Browns in a sense, where they're hot and cold a lot, but overall they're more consistent than the Browns, obviously. Um, I don't know what happened to the Seahawks today. I really couldn't tell you. And as far as the Bills go, I think that injury to Trey White could be uh, really serious for their defense moving yep. forward um, because he's a, a cornerstone of that defense for sure. And so yeah, I think was, that might be the biggest takeaway from this game as an injury. Yeah, he was uh, in the running probably for uh, defensive player of the year, which you are going to talk about today on the show. So um, stay tuned for that, I guess. But also uh, one thing I think the reason the Seahawks got uh, blown up, Pete Carroll said that his defense after giving up four touchdowns or something like that, um, he said the defense was unrecognizable, which I don't know. I don't know if it's that's the most accurate thing you could say. Their defense has been pretty terrible this whole year, or uh, the weak point of the Seahawks team. Their offenses have just been so explosive. Uh, another thing is that it looked like Russ got got hit more than probably A this lot. game than he has. Yeah, probably this game more than he has the entire season. Um, and that's that, I think that's something to do with it. Obviously, Russ is a, a, a you know tough dude. Doesn't take a lot of hits. Uh, he got back up and almost got them back in the game. So it was a, it was actually a really fun game to watch. A lot of back and forth. Uh, one thing to say about that game. Shortly after, besides Pete Carroll's quote, he actually did get a four-year extension, which uh, well-deserved. I mean, obviously, I remember two years ago, they were talking about potentially cutting Pete Carroll after they had a rocky start. Uh, it was last year or two years ago. Um, so, you know, well-deserved, but he's 69 years old. So by the time he uh, is done with his four-year contract, because he'll definitely play it, you know, coach it out, he'll be 73 years old. And he'll be the oldest coach in the NFL, oldest head coach maybe. Is Belichick older, or are they – Kind of in the same class. I thought, I, thought Pete, I was pretty sure Pete Carroll's been the oldest coach in the NFL yeah. since. But yeah, well, you you kind of hit on something I wanted to bring up because it, it's not a foolish take. It it is just more of a hot take that I have out coming off of this game. For me, you can cross Seattle off the list of Super Bowl champion potential teams. Uh, seeing how bad their defense is, I know they had a lot of turnovers today. But their defense has just been bleeding. Jamal Adams was back. It was still just as bad as it's been. And if you go through and look at their schedule, their wins are over the Falcons, the Patriots, who are now awful, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, pretty good, the Vikings, and the 49ers. So it kind of seems like a lot of teams who we thought might be pretty good coming into the year, but have faded off in a substantial way. So I just don't see it working for Seattle. They have, and today's game really highlighted that with all the turnovers, they just have no margin for error. Uh, they, I could still, Russ is so good. Of course he could win any game, but I don't see it working three or four games in a row for them in the playoffs this year. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to have to be a shootout every time if they do want to stay in games. Um, Russ is that good. And DK is that good. And that offense could be that good, but then, you know they have big pieces on the on the on every every level of the defense. They have uh, they just got Carlos Dunlap, who's a Pro Bowler. They have uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Cliff Adams, Adams, not Cliff Averill. They're uh, I don't know. They're DN. I'm sorry, I'm blanking right now. Bobby Wagner, and then you have Jamal Adams on the backside. So they have good, really good players on the defense. Maybe it's just a, a matter of working out something um, that you know will eventually click. Hopefully towards the. Uh, you know, the, the better part of the year and, at the end. And their secondary has been terrible. And Adams is great, but he, he's not a coverage guy. He's, he's a blitzer. He's almost their best pass rusher. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
So, uh, guys, right quick before we move off of this game, any remaining takes from the, the Bills or, or Seahawks side of things? Um, Pete Carroll is the oldest head coach in the NFL at age 69. He's okay. a year older than Belichick. I was going to say, I was pretty sure he's been like that for a while. I just wasn't sure if, like, Romeo Cornell is technically older. Right. Well, let, let's uh, move. Let's move to another game that what kind of mirrored almost the Steelers Cowboys game a little bit with the the Panthers and the Chiefs, a, a game where you have a team that you think would be a really big favorite. Uh, Panthers obviously have a healthy quarterback at least to to put forward, but they they were surprisingly close in this game. Um, and my kind of takeaway from this one is Matt Roll and Joe Brady are awesome, like especially with having. Christian McCaffrey back, they're, they're able to use all those chess pieces, and it, it seemed like that they they kept the Chiefs off balance all day. Uh, Mark, what what do you think about the the Panthers' performance versus the Chiefs today? Uh, my biggest takeaway is how much I hate that Christian McCaffrey is in the NFC South, and I have to face <laughs> him twice a year. The man came back from injury and had 151 yards and two touchdowns. Looks like he didn't even miss a beat. Yeah. I mean, he's just – He's one of those freak running backs that, like, isn't necessarily, like, a physical freak, but it's just, like, the way he plays the game, the way he runs routes, the little things he does just make him almost unstoppable. Uh, he's he's a problem. He really is. He's a Stanford guy. And so maybe he has a mental edge. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, seeing how his dad played and his uncle and he has, like, that family li- lineage in the NFL – I mean, he kind of grew up ready for this game. But all I'm and, saying – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, finish, finish your thought, Justin. Okay, sorry. Uh, to, to absolutely interrupt you, um, my coworker – just going to throw this out there. Um, Christian McCaffrey's not that great of an athlete. My coworker is uh, a very average-looking fellow and supposedly demolished him in high school basketball. So I'll just leave that there and uh, oh. give, give some props to my coworker, Tucker. Uh, evidently one of the greatest athletes in the world, I think. Yeah, bullish take from Tucker. Yeah, just uh, just out-edging uh, Christian McCaffrey by uh, a high school basketball game. <laughs> so you're telling me that the short white running back is not a basketball star? No, but my uh, probably equally as short white uh, co-worker is. Mm. Yeah, so. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I would say long, long-term view from this game, a uh, takeaway for the Chiefs. I think they, they just have to keep investing in that defense. I know it sounds simple, but they, they drafted Hardman last year or two years ago. They, they've added to the offense. They've gotten Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Mahomes is going to be good enough that they're going to have an elite offense, and they're, they already have enough elite players on it. They need to work on fortifying their line and making sure that they have as good of defensive studs that they can possibly get on the other side of the ball. Because if Kansas City can get to where – they have a borderline top 10 defense every year. You'll have a very legitimate chance of a championship every single year going yeah, forward. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Ryan, real quick question for you. Um, I don't know if you watched the Chiefs game at all, but did you – I didn't see anything from Le'Veon at all. Did you have any thoughts on that, him being an ex-dealer? Yeah, I think uh, they don't really – he's doing his part, in which he – I'm sure from him being on the Steelers, he doesn't like because he's a selfish guy. Um. Uh, yeah, I think Calair, like, that's all – he's going to be a role guy, and that's fine. And uh, if anything, it adds more depth, obviously. And Yeah, 100%. I think that's the guy he needs to be and needs to be okay with being uh, at this point in his career, even though he's only 26 years old, um, you know, just 
what you know th- th- that's what he's that's what it, that's what his career has come to now he's a backup on a Super Bowl team he's on a ring run um and I think that's he's just gonna have to change his personality or just shut up and you know deal with it if he wants to ever play again on a good team yeah I, I yeah. yeah I mean I I don't think that kind of is actually what Ryan said I think Bell is going to be a role player there. I think, think he's kind of accepted that at this point. He's probably just happy to, to be away from the hellscape that is the New York Jets. So he, he's probably a happy camper at, at this point. Uh, let, let's move off and talk about one more big game today. Not, not that there weren't any others, but the Dolphins were able to go to Arizona and pull out a kind of, to me at least, a little bit of a surprising win over Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Um, one, one thing that stuck out to me in this game and – it, it, we all know that Kyler Murray is a great athlete. He was a top 10 baseball draft pick as well. He was just running all over the place and was hard to contain. But to me, it seems like they are just entirely too dependent on his legs and that that, that team does not have anything. And really, their passing game isn't quite as dynamic as you would expect. And they're just play, throwing the ball out there and hoping that Kyler is going to make a big play for them. And we – We'll probably talk about them a little bit more later when we check in on some of our MVP picks or offensive player of the year picks. But he, he's awesome. But it, it seems like the, the Cardinals are kind of hitting that part of the year where they're getting a little figured out and they're beginning to, to struggle with that. Are you are you seeing any of that? Justin? Yeah, I would say uh, pretty right on the nose. Um, Kyler is similar to something like it's happening with Lamar Jackson potentially. And again, you're not going to stop these guys. You, you you can only hope to contain them for, you know, less yards than they would normally get. But, I mean, Lamar, you know, he's definitely slowed down from last year. But he also still breaks off a touchdown run almost every game, if not every other game. I think Kyler and the Cardinals are similar. Um, D-Hop's been pretty much shut down. He was pretty much shut down today. He was almost invisible mm-hmm. the entire game. And then you have uh, guys uh, coming out like Christian Kirk. And even though he was a higher round draft pick, he's been fairly invisible since he's been on the team. Andy Isabella, another early yeah. round draft pick that was invisible today. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and I think that's similar with Kyler. I think they're starting to bottle up their receivers and, you know, maybe you double uh, D hop and kind of hope the other guys just don't, just don't break one loose. Like Christian has a couple times. And uh, I think Kyler, you know, he's, he's the X factor for sure. But if that's all you're leaning on, on that team with no run game, then you're going to be hard pressed to put up points and win games. Yeah. Ryan would probably, uh, he probably doesn't appreciate this, but to me, the, the Cardinals are just not physical at all. That, that, that doesn't seem to be their style. Uh, Brian, what, what do you think so far with Kyler Murray this season and, and just any general thoughts on the Cardinals? I, I think they're. I think they're good. I think David Johnson's. Uh, he's not what he used to be, but I think he's an important role. And uh, he got hurt today, concussed, I believe. But he's on the uh, Texans now, though. Oh my god! That's <laughs> okay. Man, I say, yeah, I I knew that. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. God, I'm embarrassed. Uh, well, no, but I, I think Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think they're a good team, man. And um, I think you're right. I was going to say, I think Justin pointed out he's talking about um, Lamar. And I was going to say that I think, I think Baltimore as well and Arizona, more so Arizona. I think they're like the early 2000s uh, Falcons with Michael Vick. Yep. I see that. To where they could, they could make the divisional playoff, maybe, maybe the NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. But they're, not the, they're not the winning team you're scared of. Yeah. Right. And uh, the, like after the Cardinals losing today, like 
I assume they were probably going to make the playoffs starting five and two, but if they even make it now, I think they're a one and done team. Like unless Murray just just pulls off an A plus game, like they're they're good, they're emerging, but they're they're not quite there yet. I just think if they play a good offense, they they like you said could be one and done. If they uh, if they uh, go to play a high powered offense in the playoffs, they're done. Uh, Mark, any any take on any thoughts on the Cardinals this year or the maybe the Dolphins even with their surprisingly good defense over the last couple weeks? Yeah, I'm actually going to embarrass myself in this segment, too, with my foolish pick. Love it. And that's going to be that the Dolphins make the playoffs with an 11-5 and record. Okay. Whoa. All right. With the seventh seed? Well, not um, with the 11-5, uh, I guess, but they have a good chance. Well, that division's up for grabs, so that's not the yep. most that's not the most ridiculous uh, thing I've heard. It is ridiculous maybe now because you talk about the Dolphins and a rookie QB and a lackluster offense, but their defense may be good enough and that division might be weak enough to potentially, you know, if the Bills drop a couple to do something like that. Mark, that's not that's not ridiculous. And speaking of an, yeah. uh, to, to kind of tie it with an interesting matchup next week, uh, the Bills sent the Dolphins played Cardinals today. Next week we get to see Josh Allen and Kyler Murray face off. Ooh, that'd be good. That'll be good, Justin. You touched on it. Uh, Dolphins defense looking really hot. Yeah. Man, what if they What if they catch Minka Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's how they get a couple other pieces though too. Uh, maybe this year, you know, to help the offense. So I, while um, you know, Minka's a, would have been a huge addition to that defense. They tried to bolster basically everywhere else that they could. Uh, Kyle yeah. Van Noy, uh, Byron Jones. And then uh, they got another D, uh, like a defensive lineman too. I don't remember, but they spent a ton of money in free agency mm-hmm. trying to bolster that defense. And it seems to finally be clicking now that guys have come off of injury, guys have come off the COVID list and stuff like that. And it could it could be a a, a game changer for them. Flores might should be on the list for coach of the year because let's, let's point this out: they won today without five assistant coaches. They they were in the COVID protocol, so yeah. they they pulled that game off today, which is that. So he's running a very impressive program so far in Miami. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that that kind of wraps it for the big games today. Uh, I, we would say Raiders and Chargers were a big game, but of course, you know, the Chargers are just going to find an absolutely brutal way to lose every game in any way possible. Absolutely. Uh, so we're we're going to take a little bit of a of a break, and then we'll come back and discuss some of the some of the Broncos game and some of our weekly topics. And welcome back. Let's go into the Broncos. Game. They faced off with the Falcons today and what seemed like could have been a great opportunity for Denver to get back to 500, be in the playoff race, which they, of course, went on to squander. Uh, a couple of the takeaways for me this game, just some spitfire takeaways. One, Drew Locke is continuing to drive me crazy with his happy feet. It seems like every single play is either he actually gets pressured and has to leave the pocket or he just decides to leave it on his own and runs into pressure. So that that's definitely getting on my nerves, and it's something that they have to work with him to get corrected. Another big one for me, probably the biggest with the Broncos, their team that just sleepwalks far too often through the first half. I, I looked at this today. So today was their eighth game halfway through the season. The Broncos have scored 64 points in the first half this season. That's an average of eight per game. If you take out the Jets game where they scored 17, that gives you 47 points in, in seven games. So they're averaging less than a touchdown per first half. And that, that's just obviously not a way that you're, you're going to have a formula to win. Broncos have been playing from behind all season. Why can they not seem to get off to a good start? And I, I guess I'll throw it to Justin to answer that. what he thinks for that one. 
Yeah, so obviously it's going to be – I don't want to keep blaming injuries and beat that dead horse, but um, no pun intended because of the Broncos. But it is uh, – they have been absolutely decimated on both sides of the ball, so not the offense. But um, the, the offensive line is so wishy-washy from week to week. It looks like, you know, Garrett Bowles, like I said last week, or at least last week he was, the number one uh, pro football focus left tackle in the NFL, which is a absolute, you know, uh, change from the last uh, – the rest of his career, really. Um, but then, you know, Drew Locke, like, like John said, is just running for his life, it seems like, most of the time. And whether that's self-inflicted where he just thinks he's under pressure all the time and used to it and you can't blame the guy after, you know, being hit and having to roll out all these all these other plays, um, I think it has something to do with the offensive line play maybe on the right side because the center and left side seems to be pretty, <clears throat> pretty uh, stout. Um, another thing is that someone on the Falcon must have been listening to the Football Fools podcast because they went right for my boy Albert O and took him out right when he was about to go crazy, okay? They're the worst team at defending tight ends. And you know what they did? They were like, you know, we can we can manage Noah Fant, but this Albert O guy, we're going to have to get rid of him. So what they do? They chopped my boy down, and he was out the rest of the game. And they, and they were better for it, the Falcons, um, because if I swear – if he was in, the Broncos would have converted and got another uh, flag thrown for pass interference because Alberto's the best at doing that. Yeah, there's a reason they're called the Dirty Birds. We're yeah. very onto them. Exactly, exactly. So no surprise. I 100% um, support that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Oh yeah, I guess yeah, you would. Um, so we're actually going to go into a new segment uh, this week. Uh, maybe not reoccurring, but just another a new segment for the for the show this week. We're going to go into uh, ascending and declining receivers. Um, and starting off, we're going to do our sending receivers that we think, just a couple receivers from each of us that we think are on the rise potentially. And uh, mine's going to be Tim Patrick with the another injury on the Broncos, Cortland Sutton, obviously a Pro Bowl receiver. Um, Tim Patrick's really stepped up in every game he's been able to play. He's put up either either 100 yards or a touchdown in every single game. And this is a no – I mean, Tim Patrick's a relative nobody. I mean, uh, unless you're a Broncos fan, you probably don't even know his name. Uh, even even with his last couple of games, you know, everybody knows Jerry Judy because he's a first-round pick who is finally living up to that. But I think Tim Patrick is an ascending receiver. Um, and then my other one is going to be Christian Kirk. And like I said earlier, he's not like a he's – he's a higher-round draft pick receiver, um, but really invisible up until this season. He's had, you know, a, he's had two, I think, multiple touchdown games. And all of his touchdowns, strangely enough, seem to be – because I don't think anybody thinks of him as a burner – um, necessarily as a receiver, but all of his touchdowns, it seems like are always like deep, you know, blown coverage and he's going off for 50, 60 yard touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, Mark, what do you, uh, who do you have as your sending receivers uh, in the NFL? All right. So I have a receiver this year who through seven games only has three catches for 17 yards. And before I say his name, I'm going to give you his final stats for the season. He's going to end up with, 45 to 50 receptions, over 500 yards receiving. And if you don't know math, that's over 15 times the receptions and about 30 times the yards. And this rising young star's name, Michael Thomas. Oh. He is about to rise tonight. <laughs> Me but and John are looking like that. Talking about. <laughs> in all he- seriousness, I think this whole draft class Every single rookie receiver is a rising star. I really do. You have CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson. One person who I'm surprised you guys don't mention more on the show with Jerry Judy. And it's probably because he has inconsistency at quarterback. But all four of those guys I just named are going to be the the future of the NFL at the wide receiver position. And we're going to be talking about them for years to come. 
So, so Mark, I actually had that question ran down. Everyone, j- just answer a name right quick. We don't have to to do a long thing with it. Who is the best rookie receiver so far, in your opinion? Justin Jefferson. Uh, man. Just say Claypool. You can't, it's fine. You, you, you can't. You can't <laughs> be wrong. You can't be wrong. It's going to be Judy Jefferson or Lamb. They're all good. Yeah, that's what me and John were saying earlier. It's got to be between those three and Jefferson stuff, or uh, maybe those four actually, because Jefferson, even though he has uh, boomer bust weeks, he's definitely in the mix. When he's boom, he's you know he's very loud and makes his presence known. I I guess I have to say Jefferson because he's actually my foolish pick this week. Um, just as we've kind of seen a receiver we've talked about a lot this year on the podcast, DK Metcalf, we we felt like he wasn't really eligible for this segment because he he might be the best receiver in the whole league. But I could see Jefferson taking a, a big leap even next year with as good as he's been. And my foolish take, because we, we don't like to go conservative. We like to go foolish. Next year, Justin Jefferson will ascend and will be in the conversation as a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Over Thielen, obviously. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say he's already the number one there. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's probably not the most ridiculous thing I've heard for sure. Um, Mar- uh, Ryan, who do you have as your uh, top two ascending receivers? Yeah, I think we just touched on him. Uh, I, I was very, I was gonna save him for you. I was gonna say Judy, and uh, I got, I got two. I, I'm kind of going like a Mark pick. I got two more for you guys. Here they are. Okay. I got McLaurin for the Redskins. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's good. Hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, if he had a quarterback, he'd be better. And my other one, he's real damn good. And when he's healthy, he's just real good. And that's Will Fuller, dude. And uh. It, which he's a good wide receiver. I don't know. I just – I like that guy. He's not on the rise. He's been on the rise. Uh, I just have him in fantasy. It kind of got the hots for him. Yeah, no, fair enough. Me and, me and me and John were talking about that and how the Packers kind of messed up on not offering uh, probably a pretty easy second-round uh, draft pick to pick him up in the offseason and make the Packers a ton better. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, who do you have as your two ascending? Uh, yeah, kind of in the uh, alley that Ryan just mentioned with – uh, scary Terry, where he struggled because he has inconsistent quarterback play as well. I've got one of my guys, DJ Chark. He he had a huge game today, really big game last or a really big season last year as well. Uh, if he winds up with the Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields on his team next year, that that dude's going to be a, an elite receiver. And another one, I feel like it, I've, I've already complimented the coaching staff, but another guy I've got is actually Curtis Samuel on the Panthers. I feel like that staff has really figured out how to use him. And he, he's the guy that can do kind of the sweep handoffs, like Robert Woods style sort of, but he, he's a little more chippy. Even Woods is more just straight line speed. Yeah. Uh, but it, Samuel, uh, he was a guy I've never really been super impressed with. And this year I kind of had to uh, say I was wrong about that for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, Curtis Samuel, I think I like that pick a lot too. I think everybody had a really good pick, but um, Curtis Samuel was definitely – uh, a, a bright spot for the Panthers this year, obviously, besides Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis. But um, So we're going to move on to our uh, fading receivers, so our receivers on the decline, potentially. Um, mine are actually going to be, as we just talked about, Curtis Samuel. Mine's going to One of mine is going to be DJ Moore. Uh, First-round pick, okay, had a high hopes for him. He's a big target, big dude. Uh, finally came on the scene last year, it looked like, right? Um, had a pretty big season last year. And this year with Teddy Bridgewater, absolutely invisible. Uh, I think he went. I think I want to say he's had a game without a even a pass, like an like a like a a pass attempt or a catch. Um, 
And maybe that was squandered like in the fourth quarter or something, but I, I swear to God, this guy's been invisible most of his time playing this year. I think he's had four single-digit fantasy games. Yeah. You guys, can I have breaking news real quick? Hmm. Dude, I just, I just won two grand, dude, with fucking Traquan Smith scoring that touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding, dude. David, oh, God. Section. I, I, I can't feel my legs. Holy All God. right. First round of drinks on Ryan. Oh, my God, dude. That was plus 330, dude. I threw 500 on that. You heard it here first. Uh, oh, first spot of the show, our size podcast is actually going to be donating two thousand dollars to the football <laughs> to expand production. Uh, Holy shit! Ryan, Thank you, oh, Ryan. God. You're just you're so kind. Yeah. <laughs> well, Man, Ryan, get, oh, I'm like, I got the chills. I got to go buy like vodka or something. Right now. <laughs> oh, dude, that's so, that makes me so happy. Let's move on. Yeah, podcast. I was say, Ryan, give us some of your gambling advice in the section. Save it till the end, man. Keep it. <laughs> no, I'm a loser. I just got lucky. Fair enough. Uh, so my other declining receiver is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Sorry, Ryan. Um, obviously, everybody had high hopes for him as a number one receiver. Ben got hurt last year. Um, and this year, he's just one of the faces in the receiving core of the Steelers. And week to week, you can't tell who's going to be the guy. And it's not Juju convincingly. So he's uh, my, you know, he was a pretty big name two years ago and on tons of commercials. And he's my uh, second receiver on the decline, I think. Yeah, I've, I've got – I had another guy from that game, but uh, on the other team, I have Amari Cooper. He found that big deal in the offseason, and to me it already seems like C.D. Lamb's the best receiver on that team. Uh, Cooper, it seems like attitude-wise, he, he's kind of hot and cold, hit or miss. Uh, and another guy, Julian Edelman. Uh, I feel like uh, – I didn't know if he was too obvious or not, but Edelman is not good anymore. He's 37 years old. He can't separate. He doesn't have very good hands. He's just not a good player anymore if you, if you watch the Patriots closely at all. Yeah, he's just uh, Grandpa Grandpa Jules. That's what, they, that's what they should start calling him. If he comes back, I think he might be done for this season. Uh, Mark, who do you have as your two uh, declining receivers? So the first one I have is somebody that was super high last year, and he was drafted <laughs> as such in a lot of fantasy rounds. But that's Chris Godwin. Um, okay. I feel like – he was overly hyped this year just based off of the team that he was on with all those weapons. And he's kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, I know he's had a couple of injuries, but I might, I may be singling him out because Mike Evans said that Michael Thomas was like worse than their two starters, like including himself and Chris Godwin. And I didn't think Mike Thomas was worse than either one of them. Um, He wasn't talking about Antonio Brown. I have no thoughts on Antonio Brown right now. And I hope next week I can say he's a declining receiver. But uh, <laughs> Mentally. Mentally, yeah. The, the other one I have is somebody who just started off with a couple of electric plays and he sprinkled in some magic here and there. And this year he's not even a top three receiver on his team. And that's John Ross. And Interesting. He's not somebody who's necessarily ever been like a top receiver in the league or anything like that. But based off of where he was drafted, he was drafted before Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, that just tells you he was a first round pick. He was drafted extremely high and he has had some electric plays. He's had some crazy jukes, stuff like that. I mean, the dude's a speedster. But right now, he's behind A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins on that team as far as, like, touches and depth depth goes. So I, I just think he's one of those players that I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals released after this year. 
And it's kind of crazy to say as a first-round pick who's only been in the league three years that he might not make a team. He might be – so I like that one too. Uh, maybe not so much as a declining necessarily. I understand the points you're making. But his whole his whole thing with me is that he might be the seventh target on that team. You just mentioned the receivers in front of him. They have Drew Sample, okay, that was taking a lot of targets from him, especially in red zone because he's a big dude. And then Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard are both receiving backs. And I feel like they've got to have more receiving maybe catches and yards than uh, John Ross – might have had his entire career just this year. Gio Bernard's come on the scene. You know, he's been on the team for 10 years. But um, that could just be he, – he also demanded a trade too, so he obviously didn't get it. So he might get released. Um, kind of weird they wouldn't try to get something for him if they're not going to use him. Um, uh, Ryan, who do you have as your declining receivers? Yeah, I got – sorry, I was sending text messages out. Uh, I got a good one you guys haven't touched, dude. T.Y. Hilton. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, that is a good one. I don't know how that and, didn't uh, come to mind at all for me. That's crazy. That's yeah. how far he's fallen. We forgot about him. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we forgot about him. We've already assumed he's been washed. Yeah. And then uh, second one, anyone that plays for the Bears, you go there. You <laughs> <die>. <laughs> so you don't think Allen Robinson's a good fantasy guy? We talked about him last week. He's good, man. And, uh, Miller's good, too. Um, I The Bears are so overrated. And they're nobodies. They, they're terrible. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we had a pretender contender thing, and the Bears were, I think, a pretty much resounding – uh, pretender for us on the show. They so. were one word answer. Yeah, they were just like, yep, <laughs> pretender off the off the show. Um, let's see. We're going to go to uh, another segment, guys, for this week. Uh, seeing it's right around the halfway point for most teams in the league. I'm pretty sure everybody's had at least eight games so far. Um, we're going to go to our uh, halfway season, ha- halfway through the season MVP, maybe too, too early to call MVP offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. Um, Ryan, did you, did you uh, write any of those down? Yeah, I think MVP uh, – did you say defensive as well? Yeah, uh, uh, MVP, offensive player, and defensive player of the year. Yeah, I think MVP um, – it's going to be Russell or, or uh, Kyler, I think. Yeah. That, and, I think uh, or But you know what? You, you can't count out uh, Mahomes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Patrick Mahomes is good. And uh, defensive, dude, I honestly can't tell you any of his stats or anything, but I think one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, as much as I would love to say TJ Watt, it's uh, Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. We, me and me and John were saying that too earlier, and we just think he's like a boring pick at this point because he's so dominant and so good every single year. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, and that's that's so obvious, but he he's just God, he's scary. Yeah, he really is. And, um, uh, defense. I'm sorry, uh, offensive player yeah. of the year. Uh, man, it it could be, it could be Dalvin Cook. It could be, but it doesn't really go to a running back. It could be uh, – it's probably going to be quarterback, Tyler, Russell. Yeah, he, so you think, like, uh, whoever doesn't win the MVP you might have? Yeah, exactly. That could very well be it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, as far as my picks, uh, I, I'm on the – I think most people are going to be on the same page with saying it's either going to be Pat – it's going to be a quarterback, more than likely MVP. Uh, I think Lamar's pretty much out of the yeah. question this year. He's not going to repeat. Um, Pat Pat Mahomes could, could get a second uh, MVP. Uh, Josh Allen's been in the mix a lot. Uh, you know, obviously he had a couple bad games there, so his name was on the on the downturn for sure. But uh, I think Kyler and Russ are um, obvious winners. Obviously, Kyler uh, beat Russ a couple weeks ago, and then Kyler lost to the Dolphins, which might take away some of the steam. But I still think they're the front runners. I have tons of money on Kyler for MVP, so that'd be kind of cool. Um, my offensive player of the year. I, I don't want to do be 
be boring and have a quarterback. Um, I think DK Metcalf could potentially be the offensive player of the year. He, uh, if, if Russ wins MVP, that would make too much sense to have, you know, both of them as uh, awarded players at the end of the year. Um, DK is just unstoppable and doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to man up, up to him just because he's so physically imposing. Uh, my defensive player of the year, uh, way too early to call is going to be, uh, Bradbury from the, uh, the cornerback from the New York Giants, James Bradbury. Uh, he's tied for second right now in the league with three interceptions. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty long tie. There's like 10 players in first and 10 players in, in third and second. So it's a, he's in the mix. Um, I think he's a silent, a silent cornerback. He's a silent defensive player of the year. This dude's playing out, out of his mind. He was, you know, a good corner, number one corner on the Panthers, uh, whose defense was without Luke Keekley pretty much, uh, forgotten by almost everybody. I think he's a bright spot on the Giants this year, whose defense is terrible. And I think he's playing uh, way above his pay grade for sure this year. And I think he's been mentioned by a couple of reporters, but he's my uh, halfway through the season defensive player of the year. Um, John, who do you have so far? Yeah, for, for my MVP, it, it's a boring pick, but I think Mahomes has kind of established himself as the favorite. He's glided through the season with the most ease at this point. Wilson's had a bad game today. They, they've they stepped back just slightly. Uh, things have looked super easy for Mahomes. He continues putting up huge stats. Even in, in fantasy, it seems like he's not having that great of a game, and then you look up and he has 35-plus points. Um, he, he's the best player in the game that there, there is today, so I have him as the MVP. And Ryan actually uh, took my offensive player of the year. I have Dalvin Cook. I kind of like that award going to more of a dependent, like who's the best dependent position offensive player. Like Cook isn't going to touch it every time, but for a player that that's not a quarterback, I think he's been the most effective offensive player this year. He beat the Packers basically by himself uh, and has kind of given the Vikings – even though they're not super close in the playoffs, he's at least given them a little bit more time to, to stay in things here. And for defensive player of the year, um, I actually kind of have it down on two guys and their their teammates. I don't know who it's actually to pick, but I think this is a hugely underrated group league-wide. But – the Buccaneers linebackers, Devin White and Levante David, uh, they're just able to control the whole field. And I, I feel like linebackers are a position that, that the league sends. They, people don't ever get excited when you draft one, but whenever you get a great one, it's just a huge thing for your team. Uh, Ryan probably knows that with, with Devin Bush. And if he's a Penn State fan, they have a really awesome college linebacker there right now in Parsons. Um but, yeah, I think those guys on the box, they can cut down the run game. They're fast enough. They, they cover people in the pass game. Uh, and I, I think they're one of the best defenses, and those guys are at the top of the reasons why. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Parsons that you're saying uh, coming out of college could be a, a good pickup for someone this year. Mark, who are your, uh, who are your uh, picks for those three categories? Well, I'm going to start with the defensive player of the year because I had Levante David also. Ah, so I yeah. think that's uh, that's pretty awesome, John, that you're giving the linebackers some love because <laughs> that's one of my favorite positions in the NFL. Um, but to move on to my MVP, so I could not decide between Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. So I flipped a coin, and it's Russell Wilson. It's decided. <laughs> um And honestly, I feel like they're both great players. I feel like they're both extremely valuable to their team. Um, Obviously, neither one of those teams is carried by their defense. It's 100% the quarterback. So I could – I've 
predict it has to be one of those two. Um, and then I'm going to continue with the running back theme for offensive player of the year. Cause I also think that's one of those like awards that should go to a skills position. Yeah. Um, and I went with the Homer choice and went with Alvin Kamara. All right. Um, he's only had seven games and through those seven games, he has 987 yards, all purpose yards yeah. and seven touchdowns. He has- so he's on pace for over 2000 scrimmage yards right now. And wow. if that's not impressive enough, as a running back, he is sixth in receptions. Yeah. He, so oh, wait, I like I, total. Yeah. Wow. He is sixth in receptions. He is behind Stefan Diggs. Um, I don't have all the other players <laughs> up right now. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Not, not bad for uh, a guy who doesn't even start. Right. Yeah, that's, um, we said that like last week. It's kind of weird. Latavius Murray always starts it. Always starts in the in, in the running back position for them every single game, even though Kamara is obviously the starter. Uh, Murray starts. Maybe it's like some sort of superstitious thing, but yeah. Yeah, and for a guy who has a quarterback who people say can't push it downfield, so teams are playing closer to the line of scrimmage. It's not like they're you know respecting the deep ball, and he's still making plays out of the backfield. And receiving, so I think that's impressive. Yeah, he has more. Um, to correct, sorry, I was gonna say to correct myself for earlier. So they just updated the stats for with today's game. So he's a little lower on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, he is now eight behind receivers like Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Hopkins, Robbie Anderson. You know, so he's in good company up there in the top ten in receptions. He has more catches than Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So I think that just speaks volumes to his versatility to the team. Yeah, he's uh, I, I really like that pick. He's um, got more receiving yards, actually, than he does rushing yards this year. And you can't knock the guy because he's producing regardless. So um, I really like that pick a lot. Uh, one reason, uh, obviously, a lot of people are going to be probably like, why is Pat Mahomes not everybody's immediate MVP, right? Um, my reasoning is because Chad Henney was able to come in and score a touchdown with that team. So maybe Pat Mahomes is overrated because Chad Henney uh, was able to do exactly what Pat did. He even ran it in himself. Okay. So Chad Henney, uh, MVP 2020. Um, <clears throat> um, to touch on that a little bit, Justin, yeah. I think people are kind of going like nose blind to Patty Mahomes and his greatness. Yeah. Because he does something he's one every of those week. That, yeah. Today he did a thing where he like shifted to the right, put himself in motion to the left, turned it into a bootleg back to the right and threw a touchdown. Well, that's just like the man should go ahead. I'll say that. Sorry. I'm going to keep cutting you off. (laughs) Uh, That's just, uh, that's just vintage Pat Mahomes. That's just what it's going to be forever until he gets hurt. I honestly think the man should be banned from the NFL because he's hacked the game. He should not be that good. He's Brett Favre minus the mistakes. Yeah, they should have to handicap him in some way. Either like tie one of his hands behind his back, uh, put like a lead boot on one of his feet so he can slow him down. Something. Ankle weights. Yeah, put a blinder over one of his eyes. Just something to make it a little fair. Um, Well, so we're going to go to uh, one more thing real quick. We're going to do tantalizing draft picks that are way too early to call. But, uh, you know, where you're maybe if it's your own team, it's a different team. But just uh, a college pick that you – think might end up uh, manifesting in the draft this year. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll start with Ryan on this one. Yeah, I think I'll just go Pittsburgh Steelers, my own team. Uh, 
I think we got to fix it. Not fix it. It's not broken yet. But an offensive line. Uh, or, like John was saying, probably it's probably time to go quarterback soon. If uh, if we can find the right guy in a late round. Do you have uh, – or late? Okay, so that, 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 that's – But an offensive – that's where you envision your team going. If you guys, like I said, are going to have a late round draft pick, probably. Um, you, you think that's what you guys go? Yeah. Be, yeah. Because our defense is phenomenal. I don't know how the heck we're going to pay everyone in a couple years. Um, so we probably only have a couple years with everyone because we're going to have to pay TJ soon. We got to pay Juju soon. Uh, we got to pay all these guys. And, but our offensive line, it's so incredible and has been the best for year, the last five years, I'd say we've had a top line. Uh, Mason Rudolph didn't make him look that good, yeah. but anyways. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're older, and we got to replace them soon. And I think our defense is phenomenal. Our wide receiver core is phenomenal. Running backs were good. I think Snell could be the future. Uh, Connor's so injury prone. You'll probably see Snell later on in the season uh, more. And yeah, I think they have to go offensive line or time for a new quarterback get him in that there. makes sense yeah um i like that you went with your own team because i'm gonna do the same thing uh well actually really quick i'm gonna touch on your team really quick uh because you're talking about paying all your receivers eventually i think uh you guys are basically a breeding ground for future patriots receivers because you guys are full of number two receivers you're starting receiver cores just a bunch of number yeah. twos and i'm a big fan of i mean you can ask john or mark probably every single game i'm like oh that guy's a future uh a future Patriots receiver because he's a second or third round pick that sucks. Hundreds and counting. Yeah, hundreds and counting. So the in a couple of years, the Patriots are going to have uh, a cornucopia of players, if you will, to choose from um, with all the failed number twos and three uh, second and third round draft picks, as I should say. But um, to go with my yeah, just your, your average, your average five eleven six. Yeah, that has guy. like a, a good yeah, half a season lot. and then does nothing for the rest of his career. Um, my, uh, tantalizing draft pick is going to be the Broncos as well. Like I said, um, mine's going to be Travis Etienne, the running back from, uh, the Clemson, uh, Tigers. I think we have a need at running back. I think Phil Lindsay is, I think very obviously the starter as much as I don't want to admit it. He's very undersized. He's just so explosive. I think Melvin Gordon was a good idea to bring him in as like a one, two punch, but it doesn't seem to be panning out. He seems like he could or less about playing football, even against his team, which he said he was super like anxious to go and play against and show them that he, that they were wrong for not paying him. I think, I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to be uh, the guy next year. I don't think he'll be on the team potentially if we can move off him for fairly cheap. I think uh, Travis Etienne is, a, is an explosive running back. I think he fills a spot and um, eventually we're going to have to pay Philip Lindsay something, maybe not a ton, um, but I think that'd be a good guy to go back and forth or potentially replace both of them. Who knows if the Broncos don't want to pay Philip Lindsay. We have the highest paid defense and lowest paid offense, so maybe we'll move on from him in a couple of years. I hope not. But um, yeah, what Mark? What do you think about your uh, your future draft pick? All right, so I I didn't go with my own team here. All right, I went with another team, and I went with the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, barring any injuries and players they can't necessarily re-sign, I feel like they're going to have a lot of the same returners because I think they've built a type of culture where they're sacrificing money and pay uh, or a lot of players are in order to win rings. And so I think the chiefs are going to be one of those teams where this year they went running back. Right. And a lot of people were surprised by that because they didn't necessarily need one, but it was one of those things where the rich got richer. 
Well, I think this year coming up, they're going to draft a wide receiver. And I think they're just going to give – yep. I think the Chiefs are going to give Patty Mahomes a true number two behind Tyreek Hill, and it's going to be more of a size guy, and that's going to be Terrence Marshall out of LSU. Okay. Through five games this year, the dude has nine touchdowns. And he's playing with three different quarterbacks so far, and they've all been inconsistent, and he's just producing. Uh, last year, he had 13 touchdowns as the number four receiver on that LSU team. So, I mean, the dude's a baller, and I feel like the the Chiefs are just going to keep getting more explosive on offense because it's working for him. I like that. That's actually, uh, you know, if you move off Sammy Watkins because um, he's so hit or miss back-to-back, and I think he's trying to get paid, which is really weird because they signed him on a one year and then gave him another one year. So maybe if they don't want to pay a failed first-rounder, and a very, very specific role guy. Maybe they do go something like that. It actually makes a lot of sense. And I, I didn't know that guy's stats. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And uh, for my, my picks, I actually have two. One one of them is the Broncos. Uh, kind of like I talked about earlier, how it, people don't get excited when you draft a, a linebacker. But if the Micah Parsons dude from Penn State was available when the Broncos were picking, that's somebody they should really look into. That, that's where the future of the game is moving, having those linebackers that can cover and plow over the field. I think that'd be a, a huge pickup for Denver. Uh, the other one I have, um, I think the, the Colts are a team. It just stuck out to me today, especially when Rivers made that pathetic attempt at a tackle where he tripped over his own feet and then made the meme of the year after the dude ran in for a, for a touchdown. When I saw that, I was just like, gee, it, the Colts would probably be really nice for them if they had a quarterback who could move. So looking at a couple of guys like that, um, the the Colts are a team that they they don't have they're not going to be picking super early, but I think they should consider moving up in the draft. Maybe look to the Dolphins if they're happy with Tua. Look to the Dolphins and try to trade with them for that Texans pick, and have the Colts take either Justin Fields if you can move that far up, or Trey Lance from North Dakota State, so that they can have a a quarterback that can actually move, and that might make their line, which is already really good, more effective, and kind of open up the field for their wide receivers as well. So that, that's something I'd really like to, to see this draft. Yeah, I'm actually with you on that. Uh, I agree that they, they should probably try to move up and get a, 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 a QB of the future, if you will, for that team, just because uh, they keep swinging and missing, and Jacoby Brissett's not the guy after they went and got him, and then Phillip Rivers is old, so good old Phyllis. Um, actually – so we're going to be uh, wrapping up this part of the section for the day uh, in a second here. But I just want to go through a couple things before we – because we're going to pick up a, a little bit of the show tomorrow after the game so we can talk about the night game and tomorrow's – well, tonight's night game and tomorrow's night game. Um, real quick, though, Mark, I do want to bring up the Chargers since John decided to brush over your uh, your Raiders pick for the week because I also have a, a player in that too. Um, my foolish pick for the week is going to be Mike Williams could be a top-10 receiver even a better receiver than Keenan Allen, if the dude could just keep his feet on the ground and stop trying to make every single catch the most difficult-looking catch in history. (laughs) Every single time, man. This guy's like 6'5". He's extremely talented. Was crazy at Clemson, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Crazy prospect. Obviously, a first-round draft pick. And this guy, like, every – even the, the, you know, 10-yard dunk right in front of his – into his hands, this dude will jump up and, like, lean back like in the matrix, like he's in the matrix or something to make a catch. And he makes it look super impressive when it should just be a pretty routine, you know, 10 yard curl catch. He does that with everything and they could have potentially won the game today. I mean, this is a situation where he needed to jump, but um, 
maybe that ball was too perfect. It wasn't difficult enough for him to catch, so he didn't catch it. Um, that's my foolish pick for the week. And I think, Mark, you said you had a danger zone for the Raiders. I do, and it's Mark Davis's hair. Oh, my God. I don't know what is going on there, but every time <laughs> I see it, I cringe. I hate it. And I don't know what he's in danger of, but it's in the danger zone for Yo, me. Yo, that's so funny. I literally said the exact same thing. I totally forgot to even write it down when we were watching that game. Someone needs – yeah, it's, I'm not sure if it's danger zone, apology you know island. Uh, that 100% – I figured it out. He's in He's in danger of losing his name Mark because Mark <laughs> cannot have that haircut. Yo, that's the funniest thing ever, man. That was so spot on. I can't believe we didn't even talk about that because 100% when they showed him there, like in the fourth quarter, I was like, yo, who is his wife's an enabler because she's letting him walk out of the house like that. This dude's a billionaire and he can't get a good haircut. Okay. He could even go for like a, a, a toupee. It would probably look better than that. I just don't understand. It's like the worst a version of a bowl cut you could potentially <laughs> get. And there's no reason for this dude to have that. So that's actually hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, I actually had a uh, – I blew past that game, but I actually have an apology Allen for that one, and it's another Chargers receiver, Keenan Allen. Uh, he's a guy that maybe earlier in the year I could have considered for fading wide receivers, and I'm glad I didn't because I'd be very wrong. He He's just a target machine, a, a huge guy, and he seems like he's always pulling in close to double-digit catches and just, still just an X factor for them, although he spent some time injured. He's just a tremendous player that – I feel like I, I slept on for a little while, so apologies to Keenan. Yeah, and then, like I said, props to Mike Williams. Um, foolishly. Uh, so, real quick, Ryan, um, because you obviously just won $2,000, and over the last couple of weeks, everybody, Ryan's probably, what, pocketed or at least won. Uh, Got to be six or seven grand, right? No, it – well, correction, it was 1650 okay. Oh, okay. Well, you're poor, so. But – uh. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'd throw that in there. Uh, but I've given a little bit back, not going to lie. But I am up. I'm up like – I'm up probably like yeah, you're, grand at least. You're also the and, best uh, gambler I've ever met in my life and also the worst um, self-control. So, yeah. I'm the worst. I'm the 100% the worst. I, I'm a lucky guy at times, but uh, anyone that anyone that tells you they win all the time – Yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, your ups and downs with you over the years. And like I said, I don't think I've ever seen anybody win more money and then have little to no self-control and lose it all. Um, and then go, yeah. And we've been gambling yeah, exactly. together for almost uh, what 10, 10 years. Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, I know. Man. I remember. Yeah. Anyway, foolish pick. Foolish pick. Uh, next week, does Alex Smith because he will be the starter? Does he get his first win against Detroit? Actually, Lions? I think so. Can he do it. Very possible. possible. Yeah, cool. I may need to put uh, Alex Smith on my apology island because last week I didn't even think of him when we talked about comeback player of the yep. year. Yeah, that's who we were trying to oh, remember. And, so. Yeah, we couldn't remember who the obvious one was, and it's got to be him for just even walking onto the yeah. field. The guy whose uh, leg looked yeah. like like roadkill, and uh, 20 surgeries later he's able to stumble onto the field again uh, and potentially get his first week or his first win next week. So. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take it to the bank. You heard it here first. Chase Young, Alex Smith over the Detroit Lions fade. All right. So you're just going to do money line? You're saying <laughs> – <laughs> I just realized what you said. It, 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 
If I'm thinking Redskins, you bet Detroit. Washington. <laughs> Another slur. Yeah, not Redskins, man. Washington football team. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm God, sorry. you Pennsylvania folk. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, real well, yeah. we're, we're blue. We're blue here. My, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my, my gambling advice this week is actually copying Ryan's gambling uh, habits from a couple weeks ago. I, I just kind of like what you did, Ryan, when you won that thousand dollars off of a hundred the other day. No one odds. Um, it's a very simple. Yeah. I think when people do parlays, a lot of people like to do you know three, four, five. I've done ten and eight, and I've seen I've had friends and stuff that have done eight and ten way parlays, which of course look really cool. And uh, if you hit all ten, which is you know few and far between, you're going to make a ton of money. Um, but I think something a little more reasonable and ten to one odds, if you want to put some good money on it, uh, like what you did the other day, Ryan just chose. Uh, I think you did the over on the Broncos game two weeks ago, and then. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, and then picking a, just like a yep. random player, wide receiver, running back, tight end, who uh, just to score straight up, who might be you know consistently scoring, but uh, their odds might be like plus four or five hundred. That parlay could obviously pay out like ten to one. You chose yeah. Nelson Aguilar, and that guy scored uh, probably four of his yeah. last five games, three of his last four games, a touchdown, uh, just one. And- yeah, I'll I'll be the first guy to, to say I hate yeah. I hate prop bets i hate them and uh but dude i've fallen in love the last couple weeks because dude just someone to score the odds are crazy he's got to score exactly down and not get hurt or anything right. and uh ryan i remember it, the uh, first time you were on the show you said prop bets will ruin your life <laughs> and here you are a few weeks <laughs> and later. you said ruin your marriage <laughs> I, I i've fallen in love <laughs> i got a new love prop bet. No, how quickly bad. things change well ryan's not yeah like I said, prop bet. Way to go, bet prop. Uh, Ryan's uh, Ryan's only engaged right now, so he can't ruin his marriage. So give it a couple more years, but he could. He's not going to ruin his engagement. So maybe that's what he meant is that prop bets will ruin your marriage, not your engagement. It's not too late. <laughs> Mark, did you late. have gambling advice this week? No, no, not at all. I'm still not betting after my week uh, four fiasco. I'm- so. Whenever I decide to get back on the horse, you'll find out. All right. Out. Well, he's committed to it at least. My my gambling advice for the week is do round robin betting. So, and this is one of the things that I learned, unfortunately, from a mistake. So, with all the college football games yesterday, I probably bet on ten different games, and I was on the right side of the spread of probably eight out of the ten games. However, I did most of my picks in parlays that were not round robin, which would include each version of it, of the teams that you're betting on. Therefore I wound up losing money, even though I was nailing most of the picks against the spread. So that that's just something that um, if you're make sure all your picks aren't parlays, but if you do at least do the round robin so that you have the different versions of it. And so that way just missing one game doesn't blow all of your picks for you. Yeah, it sounds like the low parlays on the show, not necessarily, but they're more exciting. And higher paying. Um, so I think that's probably what all we're going to do for tonight. Yeah, looks like. Yeah, we're, we're going to do – we're going to add another 20-minute segment to this tomorrow um, just to cover the Saints-Bucks uh, game, which is currently 7-0 New Orleans. Looking good. And uh, we'll talk about tomorrow night's probably dumpster fire of a game too, the Jets and the Patriots, which should just be crossed off the entire schedule for this week because it's going to be so bad. Um, actually, one more closing thought. Sorry. I have something that I think that 
Uh, Mike McCarthy and Adam Gase are the exact same coach. Hear me out. They both are terrible coaches, it looks like. And they both had the luxury and maybe got jobs only because they had the luxury of playing with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Adam Gase got his job after the uh, insane season that Peyton Manning had and broke all these records and went to the Super Bowl and lost. Um, he's had a job for far too long. He's proven twice that he's not a, a good head coach um, and two different, granted, terrible franchises. But then Mike McCarthy also, um, you know, played with Aaron Rodgers his entire career there. Uh, did he have Brett Favre ever? Mm-hmm. It was just straight, yeah. Just Rodgers. Yeah, just Rodgers. So, uh, you know, just two guys that are are uh, extremely lucky to have extremely Hall of Fame quarterbacks, extremely above average quarterbacks, um, and they're just both terrible coaches. Yeah, and I, I actually missed one thing just quickly. My my danger zone pick for the week is the Chicago Bears' entire offense. Uh, we've said we praised Allen Robinson. I do think he's a very good player, but there's no one on that that's not untouchable. Like the the Bears just totally need to reshape their offense because it, it's not working at all. The defense is still really good, and that they, you might want to be more aggressive than less aggressive because they could kind of wind up in the reverse Cowboys situation where you're having to pay everybody on your defense and stuff like it is the Cowboys, your offense. And then by the time you do that, your defense isn't as good as you need it to be. Mm-hmm. So the bears just need to make a move on that. It's a balancing act. Um, all right, guys, uh, Ryan, thank you for being on the show again. Uh, any closing thank words? You. Yeah, thank of course. Uh, I'll be back on guys. shortly uh, after you guys get your first win, probably in a couple weeks, our first loss, excuse me. And uh, we'll pick us up tomorrow night, guys. Have a good night. Oh. And welcome back to the Football Fools podcast. A uh, couple of interesting night games, to say the the least, over Sunday and Monday night. Uh, last night, we kicked it off with the Buccaneers and the Saints facing off and had a shocking blowout, at least what I would expect most people would have been looking for going into the game, with the Saints coming out on top 38-3. to so let, let me kick it to Mark and just give him a second to, to gloat before we get into a lot of topics about this game. Now, here's a team that looks ready to win a Super Bowl, and that is the New Orleans all Saints. Right. And that is all I'm going to say as far as bragging goes, because down south in Louisiana, we're pretty superstitious, and I'm not trying to jinx <laughs> my team. Next thing I know, we're going to lose to the 49ers next week. So with that said. I, well, I sure hope not. <laughs> I would hope not too, but uh, I know how uh, voodoo works, and I'm not trying to bring that bad voodoo to the Saints. So, yeah, Nick Mullins is the guy. That's fair. <laughs> but as far as yeah, this game goes, one on Drew, Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees played excellent. Um, I actually learned something interesting. He's 14 and three on Sunday Night Football. He's the all-time record holder for that. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it's just one of those like really? lesser known stats about, you know, somebody who's been in the league for forever, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, uh, another lesser known stat maybe, um, is Tom Brady. That is his first three interception game since 2011. And wow. so let that sink in for a sec, almost a decade before he's, since he's thrown three interceptions. Yeah. There were a lot of weird records in this. This was also the first time Brady has ever been swept by a divisional opponent. Um, that's never happened in his career before. That 19 straight years. 
Yeah. What's that? Yeah, it was 19 straight years without getting swept by a division opponent. The second closest to him was Joe Montana with 13, uh, 13 years without having uh, being swept by a division opponent. And the Bucks also set a record for least amount of rushes in a game with five. I oh, that, that was four. Uh, they ended up taking a kneel at the end, which counts as a rush. So, oh my gosh. Sad, uh, sad for uh, Tom Brady and Bucks, Buccaneers fans. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, it made me feel a lot better about uh, placing that preseason bet on the Saints to win the Super Bowl. Um, Same. And with that bet, I was so happy with it when I was thinking about it today, I decided to actually make another bet. And I'll talk about that towards the end uh, when I do an alibi for my uh, gambling advice since I'm back on the wagon this week. Let's go. But as far as the Saints game goes, I will mention that uh, I think the Saints decided to peak last night during that game. (laughs) <laughs> and okay. it may have just been a little bit too soon because you know what happens with peaks. You ended up dropping a little bit and plateauing. I just hope we can uh, stay uh, maintain, yeah, as consistent as possible. But it's hard to, to repeat or even match a game like that. I mean, they kind of played the game of their lives yesterday. Um, yeah. And so I don't see them – sustaining that level of performance moving forward you know well, i'm I trying to think that maybe mean... sorry, sorry go ahead John. I, I don't mean to be the the resident saints hater on the the show here but just over the last couple of years it seems like they fooled me a couple times in the regular season and then when they made it to the playoffs and i was believing in them found a way to lose and the one last year against Cousins and the Vikings was just kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday. I don't know that I can believe in the Saints. So, Mark, I guess I have to ask, what would be different about the team this year versus in previous seasons? Absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> I am yeah. I, I can honestly say I've, I've noticed the, same the Saints always choose to peak in November and then they drop off a little bit in December and then playoffs come and uh, – at that point, they've regressed to where they started the season at. Um, so I, I honestly don't think there'll be anything different about this year as far as the team goes, other than I really hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, see, you see that that TB12 method isn't about yeah. weeks one through nine. It's it's about the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> True. And hey, uh. Uh, both of you guys sound like you have a little bit of a bad connection. Uh, maybe go upstairs real quick. I just you're, it sounds like to me like you guys are dropping out a little bit. I don't have any stairs. Uh, oh yeah, you don't. <laughs> maybe John is what I meant. Uh, um, sorry. But yeah, uh, Eric, you know what could you, be the you difference. Guys run with it for a second, and I will make a go at it. Sounds good, John. Cool. Yeah. What uh. What I was saying, Mark, is uh, maybe you guys have made a couple key additions on your team. Uh, maybe Emmanuel Sanders gives a, a legit number two to Drew Brees, even though he really hasn't um, done too much. I mean, he's made you know a couple big touchdown catches so far in the season, but you know uh, maybe his biggest being yesterday um, is you know immediately showing his uh, his addition to the team uh, coming back from injury uh, right away. 
And then also on the other side, maybe just some veteran leadership, not so much the skill necessarily because he's older, but Malcolm Jenkins on the back end of your guys' defense could be helping out, and that could be a difference maker. And then you guys go and get Quan Alexander. Yeah, um, I think Quan Alexander could be a really big addition if he can stay healthy. Um, I don't think we necessarily picked him up for the next few weeks as much as we did for the playoffs, if that makes sense. I think they might end up uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like very slowly easing him into the system the last like four or five weeks of the year and just saving them for the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. He's been injury prone and might be a good uh, good call on that, saving him for the, for the big games. Yeah, when, when I mean, the most. I think we're just going to try to get him familiar with the scheme and, and pretty much save him and be like, hey, we need three games out of you or four games out of you. Just uh, do what you can. Get, him a, get that. Um, sorry, real quick. Uh, I don't know if you guys are watching. Uh, we, we can still talk about the Saints game, but uh, the Patriots are about to potentially tie it up. They're third and goal on the one, uh, losing currently 27 to 20 to yeah. the Patriots. Cam to the Newton Jets. Being Cam Newton. Yeah, to the Jets, exactly. But um, I don't know. Any other takes from the game last night besides Tom Brady looking absolutely – uh, abysmal in his performance and only putting up three points and you know uh, everybody with it with the addition of Antonio Brown he only had a couple catches and obviously no one had any touchdowns so it must have been a pretty big uh, bad, a pretty bad night for <laughs> yeah. gambling I I, ha- I would have to say uh, I might come off as a little biased with the Bucks here but I did say last week or a couple weeks ago when they blew out the Packers I'm not gonna let one game just write them off the the Saints they they definitely seem to have the the matchup advantage over over the Bucks so far this season. However, like I was saying, New Orleans has also been knocked out of the playoffs in the first game of the last couple of years. So if Tampa is able to make it to the playoffs, they may not even have to to face New Orleans. You know so, what? As long as the Vikings it. don't make it, yeah. I think the Saints will be just fine. Yo, Dalvin Cook's totally carrying him there. He he's not gonna be denied that. Yeah, uh, just like we seem to have the Bucks. What was that, Justin? I said if it's not if if it's not them, it'll be the Rams. Um, just because uh, you know the last couple of years obviously have been squandered by either of those teams, the Vikings or the Rams, just with bad calls. So it's very possible it could happen yeah. again. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. I feel like, uh, just like the saints have the bucks number, the Vikings have the saints number mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter when we play them. It doesn't matter how bad they are. I feel like they'll beat us. Um, it's just, they're our kryptonite. Well, for your sake, yeah, I hope not. Uh, same here, but I, I just feel like they're our kryptonite and we don't match up well against them and what they do. Um, for whatever, just running, running it down your throat. Yeah. But uh, I saw a stat that was kind of interesting, and they said this was the highest-rated performance um, in the last 20 years um, for any team of any game as far as, like, complete performances with rankings amongst the offense, defense, and special teams. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Really? Um, yeah. And the whole time I was I was reading that and I was thinking about, man, if Jared Cook didn't fumble on the one and Drew Brees didn't have that other fumble, 
Like, could you imagine how great the game would have been score-wise? So it was just kind of an interesting yeah. uh, caveat to that win. Um, well, another thing, sorry, uh, change of subject a tiny bit. Uh, just again to tonight's game, uh, I think Cam just got the touchdown, so it's time two minutes to go. Um, but another thing would be uh, Damian Harris just went out. So any fantasy owners um, who are trying to guess which Patriots running back to start, Damian, Harri- Damian Harris uh, just got hurt and has been carted to the – not carted, walked to the locker room. So <laughs> potentially something to look out for there. Another uh, – get a guess next week on which Patriots running back to start again. Yeah. Uh, I'm all done with the Saints, so I'm ready to move on to this next game if you guys are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing to say, maybe before we get into that, um, a pretty, pretty last night, uh, Tack McKinley uh, got, got waved. Anybody see that? I did see that. I did see it, yeah. The Falcons. And uh, that's them. just, yo, how disrespectful for – for him like to they the falcons this dude like he must be a troubled <laughs> child or something because he he's one, been, he was a he, sorry god one thing that's really interesting about him i remember when he got drafted four years ago one of the the, the guy who was he was like an incoming coach from the to the falcons staff and if i'm not mistaken mckinley went to ucla and like there was mm-hmm. a coach who had came to the Falcons staff from that school, and that they like told a story in the draft when he got picked in the first round about how how much that coach advocated for taking that player and his character, and so it's just it seems to be a mess on that one if I'm remembering that correctly at all. Yeah, well, I mean, um, he kind of reminds me of like a Jalen Ramsey situation, or really any running back that wants to get paid now, I guess, like Melvin Gordon or Le'Veon Bell, whoever, whoever it be. But um, Tack McKinley, I guess, wanted out a year ago Two, I think after they lost the Super Bowl, maybe a year or two ago, I'm trying to think when like his first um, it was like grievances Ramsey. with the team. I yeah, exactly. He was drafted yeah. 2017. Wanting out immediately. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's strange because uh, he was, they were offered a second round pick for him if they don't like the guy and he's not really playing why don't you just take a second for him? And then earlier this year, he was offered a fifth and a sixth and the guy's not playing. So I don't really understand. And then just to release him, why not get something that was only weeks ago that they were offered a fifth and a sixth for him. So it's a little strange by the Falcons, but then again, with the team that bad at managing players and payroll, yeah, uh, really, is really well run cap and organization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Notorious for being the best at it. I'm pretty sure. So um, but yeah, if you guys want to talk about the Patriots game, of course, it's not over yet. There's a minute 51 left and it's tied up 27, 27. Um, what does that say for the Patriots? Uh, even, even if they win, is it worse that they were this close? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's a, a good thing at all that they're this close with the Jets. I mean, uh, honestly, I've, I haven't watched any of this game tonight. I, I don't like subjecting myself to watching four hour terrible games and the Patriots are now strongly into that category. However, uh, looking at the rest of their schedule, it it's very difficult. And their last game of the year happens to be against the jets. So if the Patriots do lose, they do fall into a nice tanking situation where they could tank for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, perhaps even Trey Lance. But I, I don't know if, if Cam's even really a starter at the, this point anymore. Like that, that might sound a little crazy, but 
you you guys probably don't know this, which is shocking. We have a, a whole football podcast and everything. But Cam Newton has thrown <laughs> two touchdown passes this year. All year. Two. He he has not thrown one really? since the month of September. He's he's run Wow. Yeah, that's he, actually he's ran crazy. a bunch in, including tonight, but he has not thrown a touchdown pass since I believe it was they played the Raiders in the last game of September. Wow, that's actually nuts. Did you uh well, do you chalk that up to currently not a single, uh, not a single one of their starting receivers as of right now because Inkeel Harry's hurt? Um, do you chalk that up to them just having a weak receiving core? Julian Edelman's out, um, Inkeel Harry's out, and uh, all their starting receivers are undrafted. Well, they do have a weak receiving core. However, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks throw to nobodies, just like the game we were talking about earlier. I'm pretty sure Drew Brees holds the record for the most individual receivers to have thrown a touchdown to in his career. So, you know, at, at a certain point, if you're if you're a professional and you're on the field, you, you should be able to, to catch a, a pass if it's put on the money. And, and New England's offense is it, just trash. Like, it, uh, I, I wish we had the podcast before the season because I, I remember coming into it, and I haven't looked at the stats lately, but I, I was really big on New England, was possibly going to have one of the five worst offenses in the league just because, like, they, they obviously don't have players. Like, uh, at, at a certain point, infrastructure's important. But then if you just don't have any talent at all, like how important can it be? Like that that's not going to carry you to consistently be a playoff team if you're one of the five least talented rosters in all the league. Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, uh, it, the, the questionable part is I, I know – oh, God, Cam, Cam is making bad bad decisions right now. Um, and Joe, Joe Flacco did – equally as much, but you might uh, expect that more from Joe Flacco. But um, the question, the questionable things in the last couple of years have been the draft and Bill Belichick's been pretty you know, notorious for building through the draft and getting guys that, you know, uh, making something out of nothing, sort of like Gronk wasn't highly sought after coming out of college and he's a hall of famer. Um, you know, obviously notoriously Tom Brady, six round pick hall of famer, best of all time. But then you look at the like last couple of years and they had a pass. They passed on DK Metcalf, yeah. AJ Brown, tons of receivers even people like christian kirk who's now coming on the scene a couple of years into his career but um it's strange that for such a great coach a great minded or you know the best coach of all time um that he passes up on people like that and then you know, passes up on nick chubb gets sonny michelle passes up on nick chubb gets uh damian harris you know it's just strange when there were better players right in front of them and for a coach who's notorious for finding talent Maybe he's like trying to pass up on the good players. So look, he looks that much smarter <laughs> whenever he finds a good one in the third, but um, it's just strange. And for someone for, to pass up on, you know, two pro bowl receivers and AJ Brown and DK Metcalf um, to get Nikhil Harry, who hasn't done right. anything, even on, even on the, even on AJ Brown and DK Metcalf's worst games, they're better than <laughs> Harry's probably in his best game. So just strange. Totally. Yeah, one thing I think with this game, I don't think the Patriots are necessarily in tanking mode yet, even though I know I was talking about it in the group chat and I'm the one that brought it up. As I thought about it more, I feel like the Patriots are just trying to make sure the Jets do not get Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) All right. Not terrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I was just listening to Brian Greasy during the beginning of this, of this uh, broadcast for the game. And he was wondering if, uh, if, if that's something the Patriots start thinking about, or, you know, on the other side of that, do the jets tank this game so they don't ruin their potential chances at getting someone like Trevor Lawrence? Um, because they would, they're the old, the second worst team is the Jaguars at one and seven, you know, and if they happen to drop a couple more games than the jets do, uh, that could take them out of the the running for the first pick, even if they don't decide to get Trevor Lawrence and they trade it away or you know, whatever they do. That, that the first overall picks, you know, the first overall pick, and it carries the most weight in the draft um, as far as leverage for for uh, getting you know more picks, which is something they might need to look into here this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this game this game really has a lot to say about this upcoming draft really. And uh, we're, we're, we're players. Yeah, I now. agree. And I wouldn't be surprised if week 17, you see the Patriots in a similar situation against the jets trying to lose the game on purpose. Yeah, just yeah, so true. the jets end up getting out of that first pick looking at Jacksonville's schedule there. I, I don't see any way they win another game for the rest of the season. I think they finish with one win. Yeah. And if the Patriots decide to throw both games against the jets, it moves them to the second spot. So, do you think that's something Bill Belichick does, though? Do you think he's willing? I mean, I'm watching him right now. He just looks pissed off, and they're all, they're tied. I mean, they're not losing. They are probably potentially going to lose. But do you do you think that's something that Bill Belichick uh, has in him? I think the master of chess, known as Bill Belichick, definitely has that in him. I think he's he's willing to play the long game in the NFL, even though I mean he is an older coach, so he doesn't necessarily have that long left. Um, but I definitely think he is the type mm-hmm. of coach that while he is here, he will do everything in his power to screw over the other people in his division. And, and I would say <laughs> that the, with the, the Patriots, like they do are projected to have a ton of draft picks going into this next draft. Um, and if they do just happen to have that, that one semi tank bad season, they could get back to competitive really fast after that. And it, it's not just it's not just your first round pick, obviously, that would improve. But if, if they wind up instead of this year maxing out and having a chance coming into the season to win eight or nine games, if they wind up winning three to four, maybe five games total, you know, all of your picks are going to be at the top half of the round instead of way at the back like they've been used to. So they, they could uh, I don't think that the the Patriots are done by any means. They, they don't have it this year. They didn't have it last year, but uh, I think that they're a team who can quickly rebound, but it might be important for Belichick to, to give up a little more of the control in the draft. He's kind of been a coach who's been notorious that comes in at the end of the season and tells the scouting department, okay, I'll take over from here guys. And, you know, maybe he, he needs it. That that's a lesson that, that he should have learned. And hopefully if they're bad enough this year, he can, can learn that. And, uh, he can take a little more input and they, they might have a little better draft class throughout upcoming this next year. Well, what do you think? So that leads me to another question. How long do you think Bill, Bill Belichick has there? Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that obviously Robert Kraft, they, they, they're in love. Um, but how long, if, if this season goes poorly, they miss the playoffs, uh, you know, have a high ground draft pick for the first time in 20 years. Um, and potentially they repeat next year as, as a bad team. How long do you think they ride with Bill Belichick? I mean, obviously tons of history there, but 
one thing I heard a couple of years ago was that um, Josh McDaniels was only staying there to take potentially take over the head coaching job eventually. So do you think Bill Belichick retires after this year if they if they're bad or gives them hey, one Justin, more year? Real quick, or what? We have some breaking news. The Patriots are celebrating this win like they just won another Super Bowl. Unfortunately, it was a 30-27 <laughs> victory over the Jets. The 0-9 Jets. <laughs> Who are they are the worst team in the NFL. Like it means something. All right, so back to your question. Go ahead, John. Yeah, so the, well, good. I guess the the Jets are still right on track for the number one pick, just like we should have always suspected. But but no, I I don't I don't see Belichick ever getting fired there, and I I I do not see him retiring anytime soon either. He he's definitely got a lot of drive and. Him and Nick Saban have always been kind of linked at the hip, but those are guys who I see that are older but still have a lot of passion and drive for the game, and they're they're willing to sort of reinvent themselves and do new things. Like Saban just said a couple of weeks ago that now offense is actually the most important thing, not not defense in college football, which coming from a coach with those kind of roots, that's a pretty huge thing to be able to recognize. I, I feel like there's a lot of old school coaches you would see out there that would never admit something like that. And I think Belichick is right in that same mold. Um, I, I think the chances are much mm-hmm. higher. It's just a rough year. And I, I could see Belichick being there, honestly, in not another five, six or seven years. Really? What about, uh, what about his son? What, what about him? He, he has a mullet, you know, can we really trust the guy just based off of that? Well, obviously. but is he potentially, have the right haircut to no, know only if Mark job. Davis was to hire him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if somebody okay. can't be trusted um, to make decisions on their own hair, they shouldn't be trusted with your football team. <laughs> that's fair. Fair to say. I mean, I guess if you make bad decisions with your hair, you're going to make bad exactly. decisions with your football um, team. But to answer your question, I, I agree. Yeah. Bill Belichick is one of those few people in sports where he makes a decision when his time is up. I think Nick Saban's another one. Obviously, Drew Brees down in New Orleans is one. It, they're just certain people that are so important to their franchise and city that they can just make their own decisions. And Bill Belichick could be in a walker with Alzheimer's and still be the coach of that team, and nobody's <laughs> going to run him out of there. So, I mean, I honestly see him coaching yeah. about four or five more years before he decides to hang it up. I think he's going to push for one Super Bowl without Tom. Um, just to prove he can do it and then walk away. Yeah, I like to think that would happen, but to only time will tell. A um, couple things since we're about to hit in almost our first two-hour podcast un- un- unintentionally. Um, some uh, one, thing, <laughs> one thing I want to, because uh, I guess we have unofficially started giving some players nicknames. Um, one thing I heard Chris Berman say, uh, during his ESPN like uh, roundup of the weekend, he uh, a good nickname for CD Lamb. It was I thought it was so funny. He called him ABCD <laughs> Lamb, and I think that should stick. <laughs> um, that was one of the funniest nicknames I've heard in a while, ABCD Lamb. So that's going to be a thing on the show. Every time I reference him from now on, I'll be calling him that. But also um, bad news, uh, friend of the show, Albert O. Twenty ACL wow. So sad day for Broncos fans. Sad day for yeah, out for the season. Fourth round draft. The Broncos, Alberto, out for the season with the torn ACL. Um, uh, he will actually be because we got our uh, we couldn't get the president elect on on the show this week as promised. 
and we did have uh, our stage Stiber, on the podcast yesterday. Um, next week, this following week, we're going to have Alberto on the podcast because now he's not doing anything. And uh, we're going to see if we can get him on the show next week. And uh, yeah, tune in to listen to him, give us all the insights on why the Broncos are struggling. And um, anything else you guys have to say, closing thoughts? You know, best wishes to, to Alberto. Uh, he, he's going to be the first future Hall of Famer to ever come on the show. I know that, that we, we've had, well, I, I guess to actually to make it on the show, he would qualify because we had Brady lined up. Wasn't able to make it. Troy Aikman, Hall of Famer, but not a future Hall of Famer. So just really excited for Alberto next week. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, Anything from you? Mike? Yesterday during the game when Adam Troutman caught that touchdown, I really wanted to to make a whole little segment about how he's going to end up better than Alberto. But now hearing the no, the news right, that chill. he uh, tore uh, a ligament in his knee, I'm not even going to do it to the man. I will say I look forward to seeing those two <laughs> compete. They are the future Travis Kelsey and uh, Kittle matchups, you know, and they're going to be talked about for I like years it. to come. So I'm excited for it. Best wishes to Alberto. Uh, I hate seeing you go down, especially because I know how much Justin loves talking about you on this show. So I'm, I'm going to miss that. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week. So but, if you guys but, listen to hold the on just right quick. Is, Sorry. We're, we're not, uh, we're not going to stop oh, talking sure. about <laughs> Alberto. <laughs> 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 okay okay yeah no i fully expect weekly injury updates on how his healing's going um, oh yeah so yeah no i don't yeah. expect the conversation to stop but you know oh no we'll just won't be we just won't have any uh any updates on his on his play from week to week but um he will be the fastest to recover in nfl history i'm pretty sure For keeping sure. his he competitive spirit uh in in, in yeah of course 100 um yeah, Alberto will be on the show next week. I'm friends with him on Instagram, and we have been talking. So he'll be on the show. Um, yeah, that's uh, thanks for listening to the longest podcast we've had this thus far. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about, as well as uh, having Alberto on the show, we're going to talk about the Washington football team's QB curse. It is a thing, and it will be brought up and discussed on this next podcast. So tune in on Thursday night or Friday night to uh, hear that. All right, guys. Have a good night. Danger zone.